0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is the sermon on February 23rd, 2020. The Role of Membership is part eight of the eight part worship series, A Fresh Start. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28 in Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. And when he wished to cross over to Achaia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. And hear this from Luke. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all of the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John said to the crowd that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? "'Bear fruit worthy of repentance. "'Do not begin to say to yourselves, "'Oh, we have Abraham as our ancestor. "'For I tell you, God is able from these stones "'to raise up children to Abraham. "'Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. "'Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit "'is cut down and thrown into the fire.' "'And the crowds asked him, "'Well, what then should we do? "'In reply he said to them, "'Whoever has two coats "'must share with anyone who has none, "'and anyone who has food must do likewise. "'Even tax collectors came to be baptized, "'and they asked him, "'Teacher, what should we do?' "'He said to them, "'Collect no more than the amount prescribed to you.' "'Soldiers also asked him, "'And we, what should we do?' "'He said to them, "'Do not extort money from anyone "'by threat or false accusation, "'and be satisfied with your wages.' As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God an excellent introduction to a new figure in the story of Acts and a classic Jesus story. That's the sort of content you've come to expect in worship at Richfield United Methodist Church. When you join today and become a sustaining member, you get more than just scripture. You get all the great songs, all the prayers, all the sermon podcasts, all the coffee and donuts you need to live out your mission to follow Jesus. Won't you join today? Call and become a member at 612-861-6086 or email us at rumc at org. If you join today, you will receive your free gift, this beautiful breakthrough prayer card just for you and everybody else It's the winter member drive at Minnesota Public Radio this week. Did you hear it at all? Did you, did anybody call in? Anybody become a member? No, not this week. Already a member. Me too. Me too. Uh, NPR puts out their best programming in hopes that it's enticing enough that people will join. Now, I get bummed out because we joined years ago, but they keep coming up with great incentives. This week, they're giving away a new NPR scarf, and I thought, I want that scarf. Today, we're going to talk about membership in the church, and we conclude our worship series, A Fresh Start, with a look at church membership. To kick off 2020, we explored our primary leadership assessment results and our roles in the church as spiritual shepherds, as system task organizers, and as vision criers. We looked at the role of the church in the world, as well as the roles of hospitality and worship, and we heard from Bishop O to listen for Jesus' call to see the world not as it is, but as it could be. Leading into the kingdom, a world of self-sacrifice And letting go of power to embrace a suffering people, those who are most in need of justice. As we dive into Lent this Ash Wednesday, we dive into a time set aside in the life of the church for intentional faith development and spiritual formation. It's a time to stay close to Jesus and listen carefully, to take our membership vows to heart and ask, how am I fulfilling these to the best of my ability. And to that end, today, we explore those membership vows. Now, in the story from Acts, there's this eager young church member, Apollos, and he's come to faith in Christ, and he's influenced by the baptism of John the Baptist, and he's speaking very boldly in the synagogue there at Ephesus and he comes from Alexandria, so he's got a reputation about him. Alexandria was a very noted center of learning with a very large Jewish population, so that would have been coming with him as a rep, and as the church is planted in Ephesus, he helps people see Jesus as Messiah, and that is a very stunning revelation. To proclaim Jesus as Messiah, the one who saves, you are making a new proclamation about your faith. It's you are joining something. You are joining a movement, You're becoming a member of the early church, what was called then followers of the way. The word Christian hadn't come around yet. They called themselves followers of the way. Apollos is in turn mentored by an older couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And this is a great early example of the church and the power of intergenerational relationships intergenerational mentorships. And my favorite part is that when they take him aside to give him mentorship, they don't do it in a way that embarrasses him, but enhances him and his ministry as they all work together. This isn't a church that's perfectly organized, but it is recognizing each person has a role to play for its mutual work to succeed. In the gospel story, John the Baptist is shouting to all who will hear, to get clean! to bear fruit worthy of repentance. I've often wondered what would happen if I started a sermon by coming up and saying, you brood of vipers. I don't know if that's going to go over so well. If you want to hear me shout at people, you brood of vipers, I will be playing the role of John the Baptist in Godspell at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in March. So come on out, it's going to be fun. John is preparing the way. He's a vision crier And he sees that great things will come of Jesus and the followers of the way. So use this time to prepare ye the way of the Lord. Get ready for membership. In the United Methodist Church, we have seven membership vows. And none of them have anything to do with very specific ways of thinking theologically. And none of them are about boxed-in ways you have to do your ministry methods But instead, they're about your ability to see your role in God's story, your desire to do something great for Jesus, your hunger to be part of something bigger than yourselves. The great commission at the end of Matthew sees Jesus say, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them. But he doesn't say, by the way, do it all on your own. He says, do it together. Let's explore those vows together. You can follow along on the screen one at a time, or they're actually in your hymnal. If you go to pages 33, 39, you'll find the baptismal covenant, and a majority of them are there. For the first five are steeped in baptism, and they're answered by us or on our behalf if we're infants. And then the last two are specifically about joining the church. As we go through each of these, ask yourself in your mind, in your heart, how do you respond in your faith journey. Here's membership vow one. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, the pastor would ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Well, we really kicked off things with a simple one, didn't we? That's a really simple, low-key question. You know, there are forces out there that can make it simple or tempting to turn to evil, but this is all about saying, I reject that, and I'm not perfect, that I have sin in my life, and I want to repent of that. Now, those can be loaded, challenging words, sin and repentance, but sin is simply a breaking in relationship. Sin is a breaking relationship with you and God, with you and neighbor, or with you and yourself. And repentance is when you want to make a turn. You want to choose a new path, a new way of life, a new way in Jesus. I was in a class at seminary. The denomination isn't important. But we were looking at uh, another worship hymnal about another faith tradition and their vows. And one of the vows is very similar to this, except it outright said, Do you renounce the devil? And all the forces that defy God. Now, in our particular vow, there is room theologically for there to be the spiritual forces of the devil. It does not necessarily say that specifically there's room for it or not for it. Again, this is not about your theology. But I saw that wording specifically. And so being the only United Methodist in the room, I asked, Well, what happens if you're preparing somebody for baptism and they don't believe in the devil? And the person I asked looked at me and said, Well, that sounds like an excellent opportunity for a deep theological conversation. I thought, okay, I'll just leave that one there. (laughs) Membership vow number two. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? You get to respond. God gives you what you need to stand up to what is wrong and stand up for what is right. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the problems of the world? I do. I feel that a lot. You read about corporate greed or powerful lobbies or systems of racism and you think it's too much. I can't do anything. The next step to I can't do anything is I might as well do nothing. But God says, no, you're free. You're powerful. You can stop this. You can be part of what stops this in the world, and I've got your back. Has anyone ever been to an AA meeting? I don't know if you're going to hold your hands up for that or not. I've been to AA several times, a couple dozen times as an observer in an open meeting. In fact, anybody can attend an open meeting as an observer. If you go and there's a time of sharing and it does come to you, you just say your name and you say you pass. Pass so that that time for sharing can be for those who uh, need it. But in my experience going to AA as a supporter for people who are there is just to hear story after story of turning to power. Just brilliant stories. And you think about those first three of the 12 steps where they say we're powerless over alcohol and our lives are unmanageable, that we came to believe a power greater than us can restore us, that we make a decision to turn our will and lives over to that power of restoration. Remember that first part about repenting to restore a broken relationship. And before we move on, I want to say, if you ever need to go to AA, I will go with you for your first time. Just let me know. Let's look at the third vow. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Of all the things that make Christianity its own thing, it's Jesus. A religion where God becomes one of us, laughs with our joys and weeps with our sorrows, overcomes our fears, feels our pains, teaches us in life and death and then resurrection how we might live as beloved children. This is a religion with no barrier of age. The old shall not be turned away. The children shall not be turned away. There's no barrier of nation. The natural-born citizens, the immigrants, the indigenous, the refugee, the displaced. There's no barrier of race because God designs by diversity and no personal, or systemic racism is going to change God's design. Do you confess that Jesus who teaches you to love God and love neighbor as you love yourself is the same Jesus that teaches the church to do the same? Membership vow number four. According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? Remember, we're all in this together. The journey of spirituality sees us all take our path as we stream that, flow, as we join that stream that flowed long before our time and which will flow long after. Ecumenicism. Is about closer relationships and deeper understandings between faith traditions to know that we don't face the problems of the world alone. We can be stronger together. The body of Christ is big, and it's good to be part of something bigger than ourselves indeed. Now, it can get tricky there at the end, the whole thing about serving as Christ's representatives, because that means we can't just talk the talk. we got to walk the walk. And that's really hard for hypocrites. Any hypocrites in the house? Am I the only one? Oh, come on. Thank you, Barb. No one else. Uh, Here's the thing, friends. The church is full of hypocrites because it's full of humans, right? Show me a perfect person. I'll show you a perfect hypocrite. Show me a saint, I'll show you a sinner. You show me a judgmental person, and I'll show you the log in your eye after I take the log out of my own eye. Membership vow number five. Do you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? Scripture links us with our ancestors, and it will link us with those who will one day call us ancestors. We have this gift of the Wesleyan quadrilateral, this way of viewing Scripture through the three lenses of reason, tradition, and experience. Now, in some celebrations of baptism or rituals of joining the church, this part will sometimes get articulated in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I remember a few years ago in men's Bible study, our good friend, Vern Lüdinger, uh, he was a big fan of the Apostles' Creed, and he recalled that this was a much more often frequently recurring part of uh, worship uh, back in the day. It's a reminder that the Bible can speak to our relationship with God. Even the weird parts? Yeah. Even those old, Older Testament parts that are kind of tough? Yeah. Jesus taught from the Older Testament constantly. If we had tossed it out during the canonization process, we would be missing out on a lot of what Jesus is trying to tell us today in the gospel, so let's keep that. Membership vow number six. As members of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministry? This one has been tricky lately. It has been a little tricky to be United Methodist in the last couple of years. Can I be faithful to a denomination if, for example, I feel LGBTQIA people are being harmed? That's a legitimate question. Perhaps the response is no, if it's so harmful then it makes it impossible to live your faith. On the other hand, perhaps the response is yes, if we live out that earlier membership vow, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Sometimes injustice is in your own house. We are a denomination in need of strengthening its ministries, and resisting oppression is part of it. Some of you know that this year the bishop has asked me to be part of the renewed our journey toward vitality team. It's a team of clergy and lay people uh, from across the state and across the theological spectrum we are coming together to help our annual conference move into general conference and then out of general conference. Our number one goal is essentially to stay together because we're stronger together. And having those conversations at the table has been really uplifting and powerful as we hear different perspectives from one another. And the news broke about it uh, about a week ago in a news article, and since then, I've had two of my traditionalist colleagues from across the state, call me, because they want to see what's their role going to be in the future of the denomination. If this denomination and or this annual conference does finally break free of language which is um, stifling our lesbian and gay sisters and brothers, will they still have a place if that's not where they are theologically? And the goal of our team is to say yes, because we are still stronger and better together. We can coexist and strengthen our ministries and our mission for Jesus. Membership vow number seven. It's five faithful focus areas. As members of this congregation, so this here, right here, Richfield, will you uh, faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? That's weird. I could have sworn that the last vow to join a church was that I vowed to argue about the color of the carpet. I thought, I guarantee you right now, there is a church somewhere in the United States that is arguing about the color of their carpet all the time. You know, it has to be more burgundy to cover up the purple from the grape juice we spill at communion, right? Let's look at those prayer. We've got the breakthrough prayer, the prayer list, a prayer team, prayer in meetings. In worship impromptu if you're not sure about prayer and what it means what it does I'd love to talk with you about that but I'll, I'll give you this tidbit John Wesley when he was a young man and was struggling with his faith and whether or not he had enough faith to be a Christian let alone a Christian leader he once approached one of his mentors Peter Baylor about this and said how can I preach if I don't have faith and Peter Baylor told him preach faith till you have it. Then, because you have it, you will preach faith. Perhaps there's something there for prayer. Will you participate with your presence? Oh, it's like class participation points, right? It just means to show up, to show up. It's been interesting these last seven months, how many of you have let me know, oh, I'm going to be gone next week, or Oh, hey, I'm glad to be back. I was gone for three weeks. I'm so sorry about that. And I really appreciate that. You know, you, you don't have to tell me, but it's been great, especially since I'm new, because I'm still learning, you know, names and faces and where people sit. Except for the Hudsons. You, they, you guys move all over the place. You're like the Lewis and Clark of this church. I love it. But, but there's this, uh, this feeling that people have about, I want to be here. And that's a good thing. We want to be here. So that means that some of you, have used, as you've left to your trips or, or gone off for surgery and this and that, you've heard me say this phrase, which is, hey, we like it when you're here. We miss you when you're gone. We love you all the time. That's what we do as a church. And when someone does come back, especially a young adult who statistically are not in the life of churches very much, When they do come back, or when anybody comes back after a long time, we get to decide, are we going to be like the prodigal father who rushes out on the road and says, I'm so glad you're here? Or are we going to be like the prodigal's older brother who stands there and says, where have you been? Those are two very different attitudes for presence. Will you participate with your gifts? This is about financial contributions, generous giving, prayerfully deciding what percentage of your income streams from God you will stream back into the missions of your church. Will you participate by your service? Will you help? Will you help? This this is why I say the words unpaid servant. And And if you say volunteer, that's fine. I still sometimes say volunteer too. But instead of volunteer, to me, a volunteer helps out when they have spare time and nothing better comes along but an unpaid servant steps up to do the work because they're called to do it. I see this from you all the time. Funeral and memorial hospitality, bus driver team, Sunday school teachers, families moving forward, neighborhood events, on and on, stepping up to serve others in the name of Christ. And then finally, will you participate by your witness? Well, witness is evangelism, or sharing your faith. Now, don't leave, even though I used the E word. Evangelism is good for you. It means to not just show up, but to show forth, to share it. Now, funny enough, of all the things that are in those vows, that last word, and your witness, that was added the most recently. That was added in the Book of Discipline in 2008, Around that time, we looked around and realized, maybe we should share the good news, maybe recommending our churches and inviting people to service projects or confiding our faith story to a good friend. Maybe that's a good idea. Let's make it part of our membership vows. Now, that doesn't make it easy. It can take us out of our comfort zone to share our faith, but it can be good. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when the children are on their way to meet Aslan. And I think it's Susan who asks, "Is is he good? Or no, no, rather, I'm sorry. She goes, is he quite safe? And the response is, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Tough as it is, though, friends, with sharing our witness, our evangelism, nothing beats your personal invitation nothing beats your story. So friends, this is a brief overview. Seven powerful membership questions, seven powerful opportunities to say yes to God, to one another, and to ourselves. Ultimately, like the early church, like the followers of the way, this is how we have elected to come together as something bigger than any one of us on our own. There isn't a perfectly organized church to But the church recognizes each person has a role to play for its mutual work to succeed. And the mutual work is good indeed. Friends, step into Lent as members of this church, upholding each other, the mission of Jesus. And if you are a guest, come along. May you live them out as Christ lives in you. May you grow into them as the Holy Spirit grows with you. And may you turn to God as God delights in turning to you baptized, and beloved. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2020. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.